podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. I'm Imran. I'm Colm. I was quick, Imran. Yeah, I thought we didn't rehearse this beforehand, so I thought one of us better jump in. Yeah, there is a bit of yeah, a bit of a hierarchy sorting out over there. But yeah, we've got welcome the to the professional podcast that is United Hour. Yeah, the dream, the dream team trio. You're lo- your lucky listeners today. Um, yeah, you know, there's not been three of us for a long time, basically. That's why you will actually be getting an Imran's quiz today. Imran's stupid mm. game, which has been well, well, well overdue. Uh, so you've got that lined up for the end of the show, right, Imran? I do. Everyone's turning off already. <laughs> uh, we were hoping to have some transfers <laughs> to talk about, but we haven't got any yet. But yeah, we'll still talk about the transfer rumours and out there. Uh, some of the fixtures coming up pre-season. We'll be discussing expectations for the season and the captaincy. So yeah, various things to chat on over here. We are recording this on, what day is it? I don't know, Thursday? Thursday the 23rd. Uh, Thursday and pre-season training kicks off on Monday and we've not signed anybody yet. I mean, are you worried about that, Imran? Uh, no, yes. I don't really know what to think, to be honest with you. I feel like it's a bit of an annoyance, but at the same time, I have very little expectations from our club, so it's hard to get too riled up. And then... Obviously, while you want new players in at the club for pre-season training to hit the ground running, especially when you've got a new manager, I do feel like the it's weird. Like transfers are those one things where, like, we we know everything about football. We know absolutely everything. We have access to all these things, but really, when it comes to actual inner workings of transfers, we don't really know what goes on or why negotiations can take so long especially like these transfer sagas and stuff. I mean, you're used to playing football manager and they want 80 million. You say 75, they say 79, and then it happens in like, what, a day? So it, it, when it drags out for weeks, you just, we, we don't really know why. And I mean, we can get into it with the, the De Jong transfer and, and why it will be taking this long and why United are taking a hard stance perhaps and why Barca want the money. But am I worried? Uh, I mean, try getting emotions out of me and you're not from, for United and it's, it's difficult at the moment. Colm, how, how much does the situation worry you of no players in so far? Um, I mean, I'm not loving it so far. In terms of the window, I am trying to reserve. I'm trying to not give my mental health to this summer, if you know what I mean, um, because I just think people do that, and it's uh, I don't think it helps anyone, truly. I know people enjoy that kind of uh, mania. Um, I personally don't. Um, I also, just what Imran was saying about what we don't know, yeah, we know we know literally nothing about transfers, and yet we have an army of now internet people telling us they do know things about transfers, even when they clearly do not. So it's just so difficult, you know. It's like even you, Nick, who you know only gets involved when BBC are involved. I think everyone else is looking at it a bit more than that in terms of the tweets and the rumors and all that. But it's hard not to become very um, involved, and then when you become very invo- involved and you follow Manchester United, it's hard then not to become extremely frustrated and that's really how every summer goes so each summer i say look i'm just going to reserve judgment wait until the final day you know things are complicated things are difficult you do not understand the inner workings and you have to have some sort of faith 
and obviously even with a new structure you know you think oh that that faith should be starting at a at a neutral level not you know in the bin where it would have been with previous regimes but even then it's just so easy to get into this why haven't we why haven't we why haven't we you know um and it just it just doesn't from the outside look that great or that cohesive to me at all this year you know um, and there's a few things but i mean just bang six ajax players to me seems absolutely bizarre and very worrying you know good players or not it just seems like oh you've just hired ajax manager do you want five of his old players it just seems like it's not gonna work well if it even transpires to happen but then we have to wonder how much of that is just the press putting two and two together and making 10 ajax players because i mean they, they they live off transfer rumors and what's the easiest transfer rumor to make than players from their old club? And it only really seems to me that really the only concrete one seems to be Anthony, maybe. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, mean, you would hope it's concrete. Obviously ex Ajax. Yeah, but yeah, the young is yeah, yeah, well, not yeah, an Ajax a player. 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 Yeah. But then yeah. also on that point, you know, yeah, okay, you can pick the five Ajax players. We've also been linked to like 174 other players so far in one month. And, and to me, it's just like, how can anyone. How can anyone take that seriously and not just understand that they're literally being used for clicks? Like, it's it's shameless. I'm not just United. I just would love to know if other fans feel this way about the transfer window or feel this way about their club, you know, and how their club performs in the transfer window. Because I just think we get such a peculiar strand of media that's totally Manchester United-centric, if you know what I mean. And I just don't wonder if there's the same mania and and exposure given to City or indeed Liverpool around their targets and their deals you know is Red Cafe's Liverpool equivalent going mad every day and getting you know 80 tweets about which players they're signing and which players they aren't signing half of which is all made up it just seems like those clubs get to operate in a much more chilled kind of zone and their deals always just seem and this is also not just down to the media reporting but very possibly down to the clubs and how they handle themselves but just Oh, everything seems so much more straightforward and so much more, you know, Haaland, Nunes, even when they're selling players. I mean, they're going to get apparently, you know, 100 million for Bernardo Silva, which just seems crazy to me. You know, it just seems everything just seems easier and better over over there away from United kind of thing. So it's it's very hard. Well, I think there is there's two things, right, that Manchester United is always selling the most media, doing the most clicks. Everybody likes to love, hate, whatever. Uh, but also, I mean, City and Liverpool have made signings already. So, yeah, I'm guessing their fans are a bit more relaxed, whereas we haven't made any. I mean, I'm normally not one to moan about transfers. I'm normally pretty relaxed. Like you say, I take virtually no notice of all the transfer rumours. My kind of gold standard is when something comes up on BBC, then it's actually time to start thinking about it. And on Teletext Teletext or, or... <laughs> well, those those are the best days. Yeah, you just I actually used to be like I remember I actually used to be at school and like transfer rumors used to go around. There was no internet, nothing. Somebody would yeah. say, "Oh, we we've bought Matt Letitia today," and you had no idea until you got home whether it was true or not. I and, found uh, out we, I found I found out we bought Andy Cole on Teletext. What a great yeah, day! Exactly. What a great day that was when I found out <laughs> we bought Andy Cole on Teletext. <laughs> and remember, there was no transfer window. It could happen any day of the season. Any day of the season, it could just be right. We bought this player today. And then I can't yeah. remember what year it was when the whole transfer window thing came in. But do you think that's slowly, a better system? Slowly, I I don't know. I I it's I, kind I of open to a, abuse now. Too much money, I, really, basically, isn't it? 
I don't I mean, like the whole soap, soap opera now. You know, the transfer window is a soap opera. It's just sells papers, it sells clicks. People are watching the rumour and people are going mad on Twitter. Why haven't we bought anyone? And that's what it's all about. And like, you didn't used to have any of this. There'd be obviously rumours and like speculation, but it wasn't this huge thing. But I, I do kind of understand it that for certain clubs and maybe smaller clubs, it protects them when you have a window that you can't just have bigger clubs coming in at any point in the season saying, right, we want him. And, you know, people can plan for the season a bit more. I think the window probably does make sense in general, but it's more just the whole noise and, like I say, yeah, it's a media thing about it that's slightly annoying. Uh, but, you know, I will say that I am actually disappointed that we haven't secured anybody yet, like, you know, three, four days till the start of pre-season training. I mean, I know even if somebody like De Jong was signed because he's played internationals, he wouldn't be starting on Monday anyway. Uh, but... For his, you know, it's more for Eric Ten Hag's planning to know what is his squad, uh, how can he start thinking about formations, tactics, and you know, once he's got players that are locked in, then he can start thinking about things. And the other thing as well is, once you start getting a couple of players confirmed, then you're more comfortable in who can go out. You know, we always have this situation where the club hold on to certain players until somebody else has come in, and then we end up stuck with too many of them because it's too late in the window to get rid of somebody like that. Uh, you know, we've seen six or seven leave, but surely we're still going to see more players going out. I think, Colm, you said, right, that you're more interested still in who leaves the club. Yeah, in a, in a very defeatist sense, I sort of am, in that I just think there has to be such a strong line in terms of uh, this rebuild that we're now in again and, and a reset and a, and a kind of a shot across the bows, I would like to think, to um, the players who remain and also just, you know, to the wider world to say, look, it has obviously failed and therefore we have to take this action and we're not going to carry on giving big contracts to players who are then just going to hang around for you know huge amounts of time even after they've proven themselves essentially useless to us um, over and over again season after season um, and I just feel that whenever a new manager comes in it's almost and this is almost a problem is that it's a new leaf for everyone even the people who don't deserve new leaves if you know what i mean so i'm seeing a lot of media reporting now saying this person wants to stay and fight for their place under Taren, eric ten Hag. this person wants to stay in the fight place and like the club shouldn't be allowing this and i appreciate it's not just that easy to sell people on um high wage contracts who are coming from manchester united but i also feel like the club could take the stance of just essentially incurring losses on these people that it will still be smaller than the losses of paying their wages essentially just get them away and i know you have to i mean we're so threadbare in some places you know striker i think you look at anthony marshall there's probably a good argument now that we just simply can't afford to let him go unless we're when we know we're going to buy someone so probably a lot of these deals won't happen until much later if they can happen at all but to me i would still much rather you know if if Martial left, if, say, Wan-Bissaka left, if Tellez left, if um, we could get rid of Eric Bailly, possibly, um, including Pogba and Lingard, going with people like that, and we only signed one or two players and it left us short for a year, it, it wouldn't really bother me because I still see it as productive. You know, ideally, yes, we replace everyone to the standard that we would want, but I don't think that's achievable necessarily in one window. I do think it is more achievable to get rid of players, and I would therefore still be pretty okay with that because there's just people... I'm sorry to say, I just don't really fancy seeing any United shirt for very much longer. And I do think we'll just experience similar problems that we always have with each of those individual players who have their own issues, you know. And that's not to say that there isn't one or two of them who could have a resurgence or whatever the first instance of a resurgence is under Eric Ten Hag. But 
I, I wouldn't want to, you know, I wouldn't want to put my eggs in that basket really for this season. I think, look, we've already had like five stroke six players leave. I mean, like I say, Greenwood's in that kind of limbo. We're not expecting to see him again. He's not actually left, but we're not expecting to see him play. So kind of counting him as somebody who's left. Uh, and like you say, there is still going to be surely more players leaving the club. We always have, and we've always traditionally held on to players too long. There'd obviously been some decisions coming from high up where they wanted to like retain transfer value. People like Rojo, Romero were just kept on for no reason whatsoever, even when like deals were offered. And I hope this summer, you know, you like you say, they just let people go so we can have free up those spaces, bring somebody else in. There is obviously going to be some transfer budget, but then I think some will depend as well on bringing in some money. And like, you know, the ones you mentioned are the ones who could actually bring in some fees, whether it's Martial, Wan-Bissaka, Bailly. Uh, there's several around there um, and then yeah there's plenty of youth players who can maybe step up and take some squad spaces but I'm still expecting I thought that by now we'd have one or two players before we go on kind of tour I would have expected at least two stroke three and by the end of the window I was really thinking we're going to have five maybe even six new names in um, mm. I mean yeah do you think that's unrealistic Imran or is that what you were thinking that's what I was thinking um, now I'm... <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was thinking in my uh, heated ears of the Eric Ten Hag beginning times, I was like, oh, yeah, we could buy four or five players here. But uh, I, I think I even said on this podcast I expect about five in. Usually we buy about three, and this time I expect about five. But to be honest with you, it looks like it could be about three. Although I still... There is still, still plenty of time. I still There's think it could be four. St- I still think we'll buy a right back I have a, a, or, or a defender of some sort. But I do not think we'll buy a defensive midfielder because we just don't. That's not something we do. We don't buy defensive midfielders. We... Uh, we make do without, and that's just the way it is. Um, everyone has to get used to it. Yeah, I did but, see this suggestion go out that apparently it'd come from Darren Fletcher that Harry Maguire can play defensive midfield. <laughs> oh my god, kill me! Oh god. Do I saw there was a graph. No, I know I said I know I just uh, went on a bit of a rant there about releasing as many players as possible. I saw a graph that was like currently Manchester United's available midfielders for next year, and honestly, it made me vomit into my mouth. It was like Fred McTominay, Jimmy Garner. Pereira and a- Andreas Pereira. Yeah, I think that was it. Basically, <laughs> actual midfielders. I think they might have thrown no, in Bruno as a, as a. We still got Donny van der Beek. Beek. Okay, yeah, okay, but like, it's not it. It's not it. Do you know what I mean? I was yeah. like, Christ, that's. There's, you just see that you get the you get the odd graphic, usually from Paddy Parr, someone that just really brings you back down to earth. He's an fan when you forget just how tragic um, a position we currently are in. But that was that was a big one for me. But you know, more so than even pure numbers for me, I agree. Like, I mean. We'd all want five or six deals. I think we were all hoping that we'd uh, kind of learned our lessons and that with some, uh, I mean, we've been pretty ruthless in the restructuring of the organization and getting rid of some people and, and putting other people in positions to do a better job, hopefully. And I certainly don't want to judge them before time. Uh, but at the moment, I'm not bowled over by by the, the inferences that we can draw from all the media reporting. But more than even a pure number of people, I'm mostly concerned not by the glacial pace of our negotiating, which I, I just take as a given. It's the it's even the profile of player we're going for that actually concerns me more than anything. Nick, and it goes back to what I said at the start about just buying Ajax players, but even the complete... I haven't seen us linked to a defensive midfielder. I mean, look, the I mean, two, as I say, for me, the gold standard is BBC and the only two that they've reported on. So for me, this is real... Uh, you know, we've actually made offers for these players. Is Frankie De Jong and Christian Eriksen? They're the only two that yeah, BBC. Neither of them are defensive midfielders. Like they're both good players. Don't get me wrong. Frankie De Jong, like just to get onto it, he is obviously a top, top, top class 
probably still in the talent bracket, hasn't quite, you know, done the full business of Barca, but I mean, one of the top keep possession, keep it moving, tick attack midfielders in the world. Um, and that's great. I think when he becomes available, you have to try and sign him, definitely. It does smack a little bit of us putting further eggs in the disgruntled star who doesn't really want to come to United, but sure, if you offer him enough money, he probably will basket. But surely the, the Ten um, Hag link negates that a little bit. Yeah, the Ten Hag makes it ever so slightly more palatable, but we're, like, we don't know how how good a, a relationship, well, obviously it's a good relationship, but we don't know if that's just simply the best. Are you saying if, if Ten Hag's at United and PSG are in for him, he'd rather come here? Or if we have Ten Hag, but Man City wanted him, he'd rather come here? Because I don't I'm think saying he would. I have it on good authority that Ten Hag is in line to be godfather to um, De Jong's unborn child. That's <laughs> great. That's good. It's good news. <laughs> but I'm just cons- my my concern is not really with De Jong. It's chasing the De Jong saga and him not really. And my, my thing at the start of the year was if we had assigned five players and not spent more than thirty or forty million on any one player, I'd have been delighted. Do you mm. know what I mean? I, and I don't mean to undervalue our club or our draw or our aspirations. I just felt that we really wanted to go for the kinds of players that Leicester and Wolves and other clubs pick up that we then buy in two years' time for twice the price. You know, I really thought we could adjust our strategy to getting the likes of a Basuma or a Sangare or someone just a little bit more under the radar, but that's well known enough to think, you know, he will be a decent player or, you know, if he goes to the right spot, he should be a good player, rather than just going straight for which, you know, which world-class want-away star can we find, you know? And that just concerns me a little bit. And again, I would love the Ericsson transfer. I would be very happy with De Jong, although I'd be very... I'd be very concerned that his head wasn't fully in it. What you could also get is someone who feels a bit shafted by Barca and wants to, you know, completely reinvigorate his career with all the talent in the world. That can go obviously extremely well for you. But they need a defensive midfielder to play with. Otherwise, we're going to have very many of the same problems that we had last year. And the fact that we're not even linked to any gives me a real pause for concern with regards to our strategy here. But yeah, I don't I'd- know, like maybe, you know, tactically... Does Eric Ten Hag play with a defensive midfielder? Maybe he doesn't want one in particular. Uh, it's not we don't know what formation he wants to come up with. It's not traditionally the way he's set up before, from what I understand. He doesn't have yeah, like if, a if pure we're going five kind of at the number back, six. I would say it's fine if he's if he's one hundred percent committing to five at the back, then that's fine. If he's not, I think it's very dangerous. And you know, we even heard that like Donny Van der Beek, for example, played number six quite often for. Uh, Ajax and it's Eric Ten Hag so he's kind of happy with that kind of more sitting holding midfielder rather than your more like destructive destroyer defensive midfielder so yeah look we have to see in which way he wants to go I mean I personally don't actually care who the players are as long as the manager <laughs> wants them I'm okay with it um but yeah I do I, I do think- get what I do get what Colm's saying is that we've, we've we've gone for these big big money signings and we always get burned when we spend whenever we seem to spend north of what 50 million it just goes horribly wrong I mean, when's it worked yeah, yeah yeah like it never never seems to go right and has it ever gone right i mean sancho obviously we, still, yeah. we can't really call that now but i don't think it ever goes right for us when we spend north of that much so i could i, I can definitely see and i was the same i said it on here i said you know i'll happily take a couple of players for 30 million 40 million max and they're not the big household world star names but you know the people who want to come to Man United and want to do a job for us and they want to play in a system and but I get you know Frankie de Jong comes available Ten Hag has a relationship 
I can, I get like, yeah, he might, he might not want to leave Barcelona, but then it's, he might, just because he might not want to leave Barcelona, if they, if they push him out the door, it doesn't mean he doesn't want to play for us, I don't think. Which means he might not want to leave Barcelona. Um, yeah, 100%. Which, and I think he's like a once in a, you know, I think you just have to jump at that opportunity if you think there's a sniff there yeah. that you can get him. So I, I totally understand why the club is committing to that. And I don't think that's an issue. My only concern is I think the squad, I think the entire level of the squad in every position needs brought up, not. Mm one star in one position i I think that's what we've done and we've let ourselves have awful fullbacks awful wingers but we bought this 90 million pound sentiment failure and we asked him paul please make it all okay and it and it went horrifically and i just see that this is oh we've literally just gotten rid of popa and we're gonna basically bring in the exact pop very possibly the exact same problem in that you're gonna neglect your right back, you're going to get left back. You're not going to sign a defensive midfielder to carry the water, and you've got you know dubious wingers at best. And instead of signing three or four players in those areas to give you real strength and depth, and at least push the kind of average level of the squad up a good bit, um, you're saying, Frankie, help us, please. Yeah, which is why I was hoping we'd sign four or five players in <laughs> in in the beginning, just because we need reinforcements in those positions, like the other I- areas of. We will, but, but, I'm telling you. We're, we're but, still going to be bringing it. It might not be till, like, this window's open till September, yeah? And we're yeah. only in June, right? Even though we know the season starts, obviously, early this year because mm. of the World Cup in yeah, August. But this I window d- is still open till September. So we will bring in four or five mm. players. And, you know, we might, that, that is what we didn't want, though. You know, traditionally, we've been scrambling around on deadline day, seeing who we can pick up and players come in. And it was what we didn't want, especially not for a yeah, new manager. Not- you know, yeah. a new manager. I was, I was more relaxed about it because, you know, last season, whatever, Ole's got his squad, they're kind of settled and he's trying to add to it. Whereas this is a whole new start. So this is where the manager needs his players in place, ASAP, to plan for the mm. whole season. And that's why I am like more bothered this year than I might have been for the last couple of summers mm. about getting what, players in earlier. What I do worry about is I don't want us to spend all this time under Young for it to end in no. I, I, I get why it's taking so long. We... We don't want to seem weak. We've got the new negotiators in. They don't want to be seen as caving to demands, especially then other clubs, obviously, are going to take that same ride and it's going to happen like it's been happening for however many years. At the same time, Barcelona have a price and they don't want to... They need, But they need the money as well. We know they need the money, so we we think we hold the cars, but then again, they want their... So I, I, get, I get why it's taking long. That's a yeah, very yeah, long I mean, that window. I get, we know they I get, need the money. Yeah, they know they, that he's our number one target yeah. and that the manager absolutely yeah. desperately what wants I would say, it. I mean, what, what, I would say what percentage is, do you think what percentage do you think that tra- I think it's like ninety five percent likely to happen? I think it's yeah, I think I it's think pretty much yeah, I agree, about ninety, ninety five percent are gonna happen. But at the same time, is it worth happening? Is it worth getting Frankie Dion, say for argument's sake? three games into the season, four games a season, or is it better to get a player who's maybe not as good now? No, I'd, I'd take, I'd take if, if, if you're content that you're looking for that profile of midfielder, which I accept I'm going to keep bringing up and we're not really trying to even have that conversation at the moment. But yes, if that's the midfielder you want and you say I can have him or I can have a worse version of him but who does the exact same kind of thing, i.e. not an actual defence midfielder, give me, give me Frankie de Jong. On the, th- on the on the fourth game of the season, give me a month into the season, 100%. Yeah, you know, Cole, because, no, the you manager, know, Eric Tenag, he's decided this is who I want. He's what he wants. Yeah. 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 And, and, and surely, that's, and I, and that's, you know, we yeah, do want to back the manager. Supporting. We don't want a situation where transfer decisions are taken by a board, that the manager is not in the manager's hands. You know, we are yeah. understanding that Eric Tenag has taken a more stronger approach to saying, I want to choose yeah. the players. 
Whereas before, yeah, players think, were chosen by kind of committee. I just think if you know, you know, I mean, we've just outlined the situation. So I'm sure they're patently aware of how they would expect this transfer to go and that it might run on for four or five weeks longer, just due with him being away on holiday, Barca not being in any rush and obviously having their own vested interest and trying to um, squeeze as much money out of us. So, like, let me ask you this. How, how often do you think we speak to Barcelona about this? Like once a week? By a WhatsApp or, or is it fax or is it? It's, how, do you know what I mean? Talking? So are we, are we flying out there? Are we having meetings? Is it well, emails every you know, day? Is it phone no, calls? We will, These are the things. We'll that, talk a bit more about it, but there was this whole, obviously Richard Arnold ended up being videoed in the pub with some fans, yeah. right? And he said, Manchester United officials are in Barcelona right now negotiating yeah. this transfer. He said it on video. That was like, yeah, but like a couple of days ago. Like, are they flying in on the Thursday and home on the Friday? Or are they there for two <laughs> weeks solid? That's These are the things I want to know because what, what the big issue at United often seems to be is simultaneous deals. It's just not a thing. Can't happen. Oh, if yeah, no, on, we can't do two Frankie, deals at once. I'm, if we're on I'm Frankie, amazed that we're, all, we're in for Ericsson, apparently. How like, can that no happen one, at the same like, time? If, if we have two guys with a briefcase out in Spain, it's impossible for anyone else from the club to drive down to Brighton to get Basuma. It just can't happen. It just can't happen. All right. We can't spur the manpower. We are a billion pound or whatever, four billion, five billion pound business. And we just haven't got the guys. I'm afraid to do that. Um, I guess so. The- I just don't understand. And again, like so much of this comes from what we're given. So you hate to be so steered into that narrative that I'm sure the media love to play up to, if you know what I mean, that United are slow and cumbersome and all that kind of stuff. We have no idea, but that's why I'd love to know. Is thing, it we, an email? We have seen it. That is our track record, yeah. you know, for years and years. And you're hoping that a kind of new regime has come in and that things are going to change, but it doesn't seem to have changed well, much. Like, but hang you know, on. Put fr- what, put- what I would say about this one is that for spending 70 million on Frankie de Jong does massively change. If we do that, that massively changes your transfer strategy after it. Yeah. So, I guess especially that, if we say, you say we have the way with other transfers, it's not like, you know, yeah, so adjust your thing. But again, they'll have a they'll have a thought as to how ultimately you have to hedge your bets at some point. You have to, you have to be yeah. strategic about it. And they'll have a plan for every eventuality, essentially, I would hope. So if they say, look, we think we're going to spend about 70 million on, on De Jong here and we want him the most and we're not really considering any other big ticket midfielder. So we're going to go hard in for him. So that only leaves us, say, 70 million for these other three positions. You three, go and work on that for me. You know, send them <laughs> off, let them work. And if they come back to you and say, look, we've agreed deals for 30 million for this guy. We think we can get this guy for 20 million. We think we can get this guy for 50 million. No, that's a bit much, but blah, blah, blah. And then if if in eight weeks time, the De Jong deal falls through, you just don't get that midfielder. And you just say, right, we, you know, we strategized and it didn't work out. We got these other players who were a bit more bargain than we wanted, but we still thought they were good players. It shouldn't be that difficult. It shouldn't be that difficult. You know, there's good players rolling around for you don't have to spend 60 million to know you're getting a good player like you know hmm. yeah well look i don't want to spend an hour talking about transfers when we haven't even had any so uh we're going to take a short break and after that we will come back and talk about season's expectations all right so yeah look it's quite difficult to talk about expectations for the season when we don't really know what a squad is when it's still early in the transfer window because you know what happens in the transfer window will make a massive massive difference but, I mean, Imran, Eric Ten Hag is starting. We've been here before, you know, fifth time lucky we're going for now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, what are your expectations for him? What do you think would be, like, the minimum kind of you expect from this first season under Eric Ten Hag? That there is some sort of competent football going on and we can all see, oh, I, I, I see what's going on here. It might not be coming to but I, I, I see, I see what's happening 
on this pitch and it kind of makes sense. It's it's very wishy-washy, but that is my... To be honest, there was a thread on the, the, the Red Cafe that make a prediction. But, and I actually think we might actually be surprisingly competent this season. Like, it, it, I think we could surprise a lot of people by just how un-basket case we are. And if that's an expectation, then that is my expectation for us to just be a bit normal. Yeah, but I mean, look, I'm still, I'm still expecting a top four challenge uh, because I'm expecting that we will sign four or five players at least. So, and <laughs> I'm expecting that players who failed us miserably last year will step up. And I'm talking about Maguire, Shaw, Bruno, Rashford, players who we have seen deliver for us before, and not just for one season, a couple of seasons. Uh, you know, there's others I'm ex- not expecting much from. Martial and Juan Bissaka, whatever. I'm hoping they leave and we get some money in for those kind of players. But yeah, as I say, for me, I expect that we are going for top four, make a run in the Europa League, maybe one of the other uh, cups over there. And uh, for me, that that should be the minimum expectation. Even though, look, a new manager does deserve time. It's going to take him a while to get going. But I don't see why we shouldn't be going for that straight away. I mean, the, the, the thing with that is, like, Say so, so, so. In that case, say if we get to December and we are twelfth, would you be calling for <laughs> Ten Hag's head? No. It depends. Because it depends. It, but you it can't, depends on the results. Point, it depends on we what's would be, going on exactly. I think it, unless it unless it unless he was like playing De Gea up front or something daft, or doing just the most batshit crazy things like bringing on Nick Powell yeah. against Wolfsburg. I there is there is no way that I can see myself wanting Ten Hag to leave because ultimately I would rather ship you, every single what, what one of these players out the door before yeah, him. Exactly, exactly. So it's 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 kind of like the Ralph effect. I mean, the, you know, I think the fan base is still a bit divided on Ralph in that some people by the end were like, "What what what was this guy brought in to do?" And how has he <laughs> managed to feel so spectacularly, Imran? And then other people are like, "Go ahead, Ralph. You're a legend. It's the players. We hate them all. We agree with you. We love your press conferences. Don't worry about the actual football because you know we're past that. Basically, as a football club, we don't need we don't need a manager who gets our players to play well. We just need one who slates them afterwards. Um, which is certainly the camp I was in. Um, and I think Eric Ten Hag will uh, occupy a very similar space. Now, I don't think he'll be able to be as candid as um, uh, Ranić was, obviously. Um, but I do think a lot of people will um give him way, way, way more rope um, than the players. Because what's the alternative? I mean, you've now got what is thought as as one of the best up-and-coming managers in the world. There aren't any people after that to go and get. We've basically had them all that are any worth, any use. Um, so, you know, if not sticking with him for at least three or four years or two or three years, you know, really what else are you hope for? Who are you hoping will become available that will come to our club and, and rescue us, you know? So I don't really see that being an issue. In terms of Nick's, like, expectations, to me, at Manchester United, yes, there's, like, a blanket general statement you can say that, you know, we should challenge for top four, and I expect that. And that's fine. I just think you should change the word expect to hope every time you yeah. say it basically because at the moment i don't actually think it's fair to expect that that's an ex- expectation based off manchester united that's not an expectation based off the reality of this squad in my opinion and you could say i oh, know i think you know we've got christian ronaldo we've got this player we've got this player i expect Maguire to be better i expect Shaw to be better i expect but what are we basing that expectation on or is it in fact just blind hope and, and it's fine to be hopeful and, and no that's i mean grand. i'm basing it on the fact that two years ago they were playing well, a lot better than they were last season, and you hope that we go back to that. 
Yeah. I mean, I just think you're also basing it off transfers that haven't and aren't even looking likely to happen. But yeah, that's you know, true. What what we have seen is Arsenal and Spurs actually make transfers and quite coherently so far with what I can see as quite a obvious, you know, plan and, and what I think look like good signings. You never know, obviously, until they start playing and both those clubs are more than capable of taking a good transfer and making it look awful. But they're making progress this window that i don't think we have obviously we haven't yet no we might at the end of the day have three or four players that look much better than the players they've signed but we just don't know that yet and um, but for me like in terms of expectations i'm sort of with emran i just want to see a good manager make us play better football i want to see players who have looked unmotivated and awful start to look like they care and start to look like they're tactically astute and i would like to see good decisions being made in terms of who actually gets to be on the pitch and who doesn't and after that, I don't really care. Anything above seventh, will I will be happy with because I don't think that we're a, a, a lock for top four by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I, there just isn't enough you know, information at the moment in terms of what our squad's going to look like and how everyone's going to gel with a new manager for me to make any kind of expectation on that. Um, what I do put a lot of stock in this year, I think, is the Europa League. I think we have to be all in for it. I think it's a great way for Eric Chan Hag to start with a trophy and start with a really positive piece of success that will maybe be a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more easy than just guaranteed league quality performance in what is obviously going to be a tough league next year. Um, and also it is probably an easier route back to the Champions League than than necessarily top four. So um, that's just what I hope we have show a good focus on, you know, from the start. But um, I mean, anything, other, anything above seventh, I'd be honestly happy enough. If the football's good and, and we're going in the right direction, I know that sounds so so tragic, but um, it's really just about if players start to play well we, and, and we become, you know, I don't expect us to turn into a great team, but if you can see the writing on the wall and we still mess it up every, every other game or whatever, that's kind of okay as long as there's a general trend towards some kind hey, listen, of consistent listen, right. You say anything thing. above seventh, yeah, but we had our worst season ever last year and we still came sixth and we were still in the top four race with like a month or so of the season left and that was our yeah, worst I expect Premier League I, season I, I, ever I don't think it'll be the case where the where the top five say are all class you know Spurs won't be great Arsenal won't be great Chelsea won't be great Liverpool won't be great and say they won't all be great this coming season if you know what I mean they just need to be better than us at the end of the day um but yeah, obviously, I th- I th- I think and I hope we'll do better than that. I'm just saying I'm not gonna you know hold any kind of strict oh it must be this kind of thing or it must look like this because again you know I, I you could finish second and play and not be very good if you know what I mean and it wouldn't be particularly healthy if you like I just want it's like it's like an eye test thing more than a a, a number or whatever you know. Yeah, but look, if you're playing so-called good football and losing every week, you are not going to be happy about that. No, obviously, yeah. Well, there'll be a reason why you're losing. Like, and you have to quantify what good football is. Like, you could play like nice-looking football and get hammered because all your defenders are awful, and that's fine. But then you might think, you know, well, if in the summer we sort out our defenders, then we'll be halfway there. But you know, yeah, yeah. obviously, the things are kind yeah, of like we, we if might you play sort well every week, and then we might play well every week, and then Harry Maguire just launches one into our own net. Well. <laughs> I can identify the problem straight away, <laughs> luckily. I mean, yeah, while we're on Maguire, did throw out on yeah, Twitter yeah, yeah, yeah. a captaincy poll and uh, yeah. only gave four options, yeah? Bruno, Ronaldo, Maguire, De Gea. Is there any other option? I think Luke, the... Shaw. Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw. Big Christian oh, yeah, Eriksen when he comes he in. never a shout, on. but yeah, I mean, uh, I think somebody in our WhatsApp did mention Varane, but I can't really see yeah, how you joke. to Varane ahead of Ronaldo. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... At the moment, fifty percent 
50% are going for Ronaldo, but I think that's just because if you put Ronaldo in an online poll, he just wins every poll. It doesn't matter what the question is. Ronaldo wins it. Uh, Who's the I shittest mean, I... player out of these four? Ronaldo wins it. <laughs> <laughs> People just vote yeah. for Ronaldo. Uh, I mean, like, as I say, half of our fans on there are going for Ronaldo. Then, like, Bruno's second, around 25%. is about 20% going for De Gea. And Harry Maguire does not have many fans out there at all at the moment. I mean... As the best Shocker. of a bad bunch of options, I would probably give it to Bruno. Not, it doesn't I, I, I feel great. But... I don't think Bruno's a great captain. I, I honestly, I, I think the refs absolutely despise Bruno. I think they despise him, and I don't think that's going to work out very well for us if he's, if he's our captain, because I, I have a general, general feeling that referees absolutely hate the man. And could you blame him? He just moans all the time. Yeah, it's true. He, do. he does yeah, like the emotional, a bit OTT. Could you... But can you think of like particular decisions that refs have given against him specifically no. because of that? If you know what I mean, he's just a yap. You know, uh, this kind of bothers me now with Bruno, and I think he's suffering uh, some very undue criticisms. And he would be my choice as captain out of that bunch. With Ronaldo, actually, quite okay. a close second. Um, to be fair, I think Ronaldo has all the logical arguments there. I just think he's actually a much worse captain than Bruno for ex- basically exact exactly the same reasons, which is temperament. Yeah. Um, but Bruno, you know, yes, he is yappy. Yes, he does dive around a wee bit and he does look like a little sort of crybaby at times, um, quite often, a bit of petulance. He's also been the only player who's done anything remotely good at United um, outside of Ronaldo for like ages and he just deserves better. And how how draining must it be to play with those people, Imran? That's what you have to remember. Who's he surrounded Mm. by? A bunch of people who can't be arsed and who are awful. And it's just like, why wouldn't he? I do think it's in his nature, but I also think the other side of his nature is that he's just kind of that kind of combative, pernickety, big desire to win, super energetic, and he performs at the end of the day and he doesn't shirk around responsibility. I think, I don't think he's your your archetypal great captain. I think in an ideal situation, you'd have someone maybe more um, suited. But I think, I mean, out of the current group, I think he's head and shoulders the best choice. And it's not even close. And that speaks more to the rest of them than it does to anything particular about Bruno, in my opinion. But I do think, like, I appreciate he gives the ball away a bit. I know he had good kind of figures last year, but often he didn't actually play that well, didn't step up as much as he did, certainly in his first season. But I mean, still, like, his his numbers were still, like, pretty much identical to the Bruins. Like, I get there's still a big difference in the, yeah, I mean, in Bruno, the other. Yeah, it, wait a minute. Bruno's numbers for kind of chance creation were high, but his goal and assists were way, way down on the previous two seasons. On the previous, I mean, on the previous season, because he was because his numbers were like freakish. I mean, that's a pretty mm-hmm. high bar. He was still he was still producing for a, at a very good clip for a number ten. I think even last season in a completely dysfunctional team. Anyway, Imran, that's two two votes for Bruno. You didn't say who you're voting for. I don't care. <laughs> go on you've got to pick Fred, one player give it to Fred got to pick. give it to Fr- Fred coming no, around no, with no, Captain's no, armband no, on Carty no. looking, looking like a madman no, just, I mean think about it though if we, if we did get Ericsson and I'm, I'm very invested in us getting Ericsson I think he'd be a great signing on a free bolster the squad lovely man lovely yeah. footballer I hope I really I hope he decides to pick us over Brentford also because of the, the, the sheer weight of the idea that someone will pick Brentford over us I don't, I don't think we can take that as a club We'd but you're not saying you that. think Christian Eriksen is going to be our captain next season are you? well think about it this way if the referee is on the fence about something Christian Eriksen can just walk up to him and say you know I had a heart problem <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, mean, I mean what ref, I, uh... what's ref's going to turn him down 
I'm a big fan of Ericsson and I think it would be a great sign. I think on a free transfer for probably not a huge amount of money per week, I think it's uh, it's an absolute no-brainer. I'm surprised more clubs aren't um, interested in it. I also thought his uh, spell at Brentford, I mean, you, you think back to the game where he, he, he was very good against us um, and also that he played a bit deeper. You know, I think he can, I think he starts most weeks for us, no doubt about it. I, there's no way he's going to be our captain having just come in on a free transfer. There. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, it's going to be High Maguire, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to well, be Harry It's it's very hard to take captaincy away from someone unless they're yeah, very hard. Jacker, I mean, even, basically. If, even if you're a brand new manager, even if you're a brand new manager, which is arguably the easiest time to do it, um, unless the person hard. gets uh, yeah, you know, do, G, yeah, G, right. it yeah banned or something like Rio, it's exactly it's still very difficult because what you're saying to that player is, I want to, you know, if you're saying Harry, I want to start you, but I don't, you want to be captain for a man that is already clearly fragile. You're basically you're kind of condemning him to probably a not a very good season. I think you know, I think it takes. Mm. It would. It, you'd have to dance around that very curve. It would take very good man management and and a lot from the player to kind of just accept it and and still continue to be, you know, good. Um, that I think that's that's dangerous territory. But at the same time, we can't be held hostage by Harry Maguire at the end of the day. Do you know what I mean? In terms of once well, he has the captain, that's a lot. The thing with Harry Maguire is, if he's gonna play, he probably should be captain then. Because why? Why would you play him if you strip the captaincy off him? Right? You wouldn't do that. That's stupid. Right? Because it's just going yeah. to destroy his morale, as you've just said. So if he's going to play, you kind of have to keep him captain just because it would be foolish not to. At the same time, if you're not going to play him, you got, again, you don't have to take the captaincy off him because he's going to be on the bench and he's not captain anyway. Yeah, so, I mean, but the obvious answer to, the obvious answer to that dilemma is Harry Maguire will play. Like, I don't think there's a world in which he's not starting for us. Right, so he has to be captain. I mean, like you said, it, it, I don't see a world where you can take the captaincy off him and he plays well. Yeah. Well, I think that's very difficult. I think it's there's probably like a there is probably a world where that happens, but I think in most yeah. of the other worlds, yeah, it doesn't work out very well. Yeah, I agree. That's why it's so difficult that it might not even be a non-starter that he just remains captain. But then, then do you lose buy-in from the rest of the squad who are saying, "Look, that man just had a, a pretty tragic season, and he's clearly struggling under the weight of this." Maybe it's not even the best thing for him from a a, a more kind of holistic view you know that someone should be the wise head to say actually your best football will come when you're not captain so this is for you as opposed to a, a, a slight on you you know surely the big player if you're as a if you're the new manager coming in and you see harry Maguire and you say listen i believe in you you are still the captain surely isn't that 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 if anything's going to make yeah, him I think, begin his confidence think, that that is the confidence I th- I play think that's isn't what will happen i think and you're basically kicking the problem down the road where you can at least say well look i gave you three months and you've been shit again yeah. so no i'm exactly. no, i am stripping you of captaincy and also i'm dropping yeah, you see you later ultimately the captaincy gets stripped when he gets out of the team and if that yeah. happens then he's not the captain in the team anymore so it, it's a problem that writes, writes itself in my opinion if he ever comes out it's kind team. of overplayed obviously in terms of the worth of it all as well if you know what I mean and the, and yeah, the meaning yeah, I of think it um, you know well, there'll be leaders I mean, in the cares? dressing room who don't need a captain's armband to be a leader obviously yeah, um, exactly and if Ronaldo wants to make a point I'm sure he'll have enough heft behind him without um, remember Arsenal famously had six captains or whatever whatever bullshit <laughs> yeah. that was yeah 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 so it's a bit of an odd event I do just think it becomes a bit of a thing because when it's so hilarious that it's your captain constantly kind of in the spotlight for making mistakes etc you know that's obviously uh, a detractor from the club as a whole you know it's kind of like a a thing obviously that we saw last year which now looking back just seems kind of funny everything yeah. about last year is funny to be fair though <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
No, I do actually think, yeah, I agree that I think Maguire is highly likely to stay, even though only 6.8% of uh, our fans seem that they want him to stay as captain. But yeah, I do actually think it's the most likely scenario. So yeah, everybody's going to be pretty pissed off with that. Uh, before we kind of head off into Imran's stupid game, I did just want to give a mention. I mentioned it briefly earlier about this whole Richard Arnold leaked video in the pub in uh, Old Edge or something like that, I think it was. I mean... We were kind of looking forward to this big change of regime. Woodward's gone. The scouting team have gone. There's a lot of kind of focus now on how is Richard Arnold changing things. There was kind of some good signs of people going out. We're having a fresh start. I mean, I don't know what you think about this, about him showing up in the pub, having a chat with the fans and all that. I mean, did you did you watch the video, Imran? I did. Uh, I mean, it's a weird one because, I mean, it's, it's pretty good that he went there because well but then they were going to protest outside of his house so it kind of makes sense for him to also go there to quell that because i mean you'd rather that than people protesting outside your house um and then he said the things you'd expect him to say kind of thing i mean it wasn't anything that he said that you'd think why he said that or that's groundbreaking stuff he said the things that you would say to play a group of fans and he said it well to be fair ultimately we can't judge the man because he's not he's, he's been in the job for a what a couple of weeks, a couple of months? Like it's hard to, hard to really get a, a judge name, get a real name. It's just him saying things, and we'll see if they happen. But I mean, fair play to him for saying them, I guess. Yeah, I, mean, I do to... think he's already kind of like done better than Woodward had ever done well, on any I mean, kind of like could've, PR could've, just side. By, just, just by breathing like a competent human, he's done better than Woodward. Yeah, I mean, it's very difficult to even imagine Ed Woodward in that situation, you know, bringing, I mean, something about the look of Richard Arnold just suits that better. I mean, I initially saw someone posted in like a photo of it, you know, and I was like, oh, was he just, you know, this is before any context of the, the protest or who he was actually mm-hmm. speaking to. And I was just mm-hmm. like, why am I seeing a photo of Richard Arnold <laughs> with like eight pints around him sitting down with frankly very poorly dressed people? I was like, this just looks odd. Is he on the bevs? Was is this his family? Are these his friends? I was like, what is what is the context of all this? It was very bizarre to me. And then it obviously came out that they were gonna go protest and blah blah blah. Um, you know, first of all, stop showing up at people's houses. Um, yeah, that's it's, a good it's point. just it's just just don't do it. Um, it's not necessary. Like, it, it's great that you care that much, but just t- absolutely take it down a notch and uh, just do something much more productive with your time. Also, I think he came out of it net positive. Like, I, I'm not like I'm not uh, I'm not getting Arnold put in the back of my United shirt this year. Do you know what I mean? But like, it's definitely a plus. He came across as very every man. I felt you know he wasn't. Um, he just came across like a normal bloke. He didn't seem like a CEO or whatever his position is, if you know what I mean. It wasn't like high flute and stuff, and that's exactly why I can't imagine Ed Woodward in that situation at all. Um, but yeah, it was grand, really. Bit of a bit of a non-event, I thought. Um, but it was kind of interesting to see. He, well, I think he was quite like truthful. But again, if he doesn't know he's being recorded, and that's the message. He, you know, you're obviously a different person in different situations. You know, you you tailor your approach and 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 what kind of uh, you know version of yourself you're presenting very differently to you know four lads who were going to burn an effigy outside your house compared to in the boardroom compared to when you're speaking to Avram or whatever else or in front of a press conference. So. You know, no one should really be filmed, you know, with their guard down and then it held up as some kind of example of their, you know, true self or whatever, because it's just not fair. Yeah. And I mean, and to be fair as well, I mean, this is all come from this new kind of 
group that started on Twitter called the 1958, who are pushing a lot of kind of protest things. And they did actually, to be fair to them, organise kind of sizable protest towards the end of last year. Uh, it's still not clear who exactly is involved in this organisation. They're all a bit secretive and anonymous. But yeah, a couple of them. And that's why they were actually like annoyed then that this video came out and there's been a mass kind of fallout, which is like, so are United fans that, you know, they all start falling out with each other and arguing amongst themselves. And that's why nothing ever, ever gets achieved. But uh, you I don't know, know that I've ever heard. I don't video. know I've ever heard of a secret fan group kind of thing, you know? Well, this is it. This came out saying, you know, we're anonymous and this and that. And Shit. then... They said, oh, the guy who put out the video is not actually part of the 1958. Then there was some other guy where people said, oh, he's put out a load of racist tweets. And they said, oh, he's no longer part of our group. And it was all like Brown. a lot of nonsense. And basically, yeah, Richard Arnold has actually played an absolute blinder here. Because as you said, he's come out quite net positive. Also made the most major protest group look like quite a bunch of <laughs> morons yeah. and like various infighting going over and over there. And I mean, I don't want to slag off the 1958 completely because I do actually think there is a place for that kind of protest group just to push the club to push the glazers uh whereas you know you have the likes of most who are more like working inside of the club to talk to them and all that and yeah i think the more pressure that's kept up can actually make some kind of difference um but yeah ultimately you know these things all go down to the board and i think arnold was trying to push a lot of blame in other places you could see he said a few things where he didn't openly say it but he was basically saying that look in the past you know, he, he didn't say his name, Woodward, but he was inferring that transfer decisions were made by the wrong people. He also didn't want to obviously slag off his bosses, but he was making a few I liked comments when he was like, maybe. I liked when he when he said like, oh yeah, last year I basically didn't even want to be at Old Trafford for the games. Like I was like, yeah, man, that's how, that's how we felt. That's how everyone felt basically. I was like, yeah, that's exactly the vibe. But that's what he was trying to do, isn't he? He's saying, look, I'm one of you. I'm one of the boys, yeah. whatever, you know, it's... Uh, and I have seen some people suggest that this was a whole PR stunt, which I don't actually believe. That, no, I don't but, believe uh, you know, he has come out of it relatively well in the end, but unless if we get some transfers and things like that happening, then there is going to start being Arnold out coming up pretty soon, I guess. Uh, you know, Twitter is pretty unforgiving over there. Uh, but yeah, it was an interesting little episode anyway, and I'm sure the 1958 will be looking at protests and things like that when the season starts. It will be interesting to see uh, what happens with it. I mean, often transfers and things like that do keep people quiet, and the club know that, and that's why a lot of news and whatever is put out there to try and keep people happy. But we'll, it'll all depend on where we're at on the first day of the season, which is a home game as well. You know, the season fixtures are out there now. Brighton well, it could, you know, it could happen. It could happen a little bit sooner because I think I read that the Glazers are due to remove a dividend of like eleven million tomorrow, possibly. Um, yeah, and be we, ha we haven't right now, and we haven't signed anyone yet. So it's kind of like our first signing of the transfer window is a uh, eleven million payout to them. Oh yeah, there's a lot made of over this, and uh, and it, as I say, to be fair, if you go on the Twitter 950, it have actually put out quite an interesting letter that could be sent to your MPs and things like that. And look, I think there's nothing to lose from this kind of thing, uh, but they need to sort themselves out a bit. And I think you're sometimes better off listening to the likes of the Man United supporters trust, who are a bit more established. You know who you're dealing with, but uh, as I say, yeah, do keep an eye on all this political side of things. We will have a quick break again here and then it's going to be time for Imran's Stupid Game. All right, at this point, I am going to hand over to Imran. We're well overdue one of these. And uh, if anybody hasn't heard one of these stupid games before, you need to go back, uh, were they last season or was it even like the oh, year before? Year before that, year before, yeah. We, when we used we to have three a, people on regularly. 
Yeah, but and we did have it. You did. We had a whole raft of them at some point, and uh, they went down pretty well. I know people have been asking. I think people have actually given up on hearing them again. But as we're in <laughs> off season, we are back here with a stupid game. So yeah, I'm hand over to you, Imran. Uh, Imran, tell people when you made this game. I made this game about six months ago. Good, <laughs> <Okay>, yes. <laughs> yeah. um, so basically, what happens is the stupid game um, appearances correlate with how fairly decent we are, because when we're decent, uh, more people want to come on the pod to talk about us. So, you know, yeah. it kind of works like that. Anyway, yes, without further ado. A wonderful game of football in which Manchester United have won convincingly, but it was a breathtaking match. Absolutely brilliant. Shocking. I am. I am disgusted with it. Yes, welcome to Imran Stupid Game. We've got two contestants here today. We've got Nick, uh, who currently is in Marrakesh. Uh, say hello, Nick. Oh, yeah. Hello, Nick. Yeah, I am. I am. I'm on another work trip out here. What he doesn't tell us is he's actually part of this uh, Frankie de Jong um, correspondence <laughs> yeah. transfer negotiators. This is what they do. They go to Barcelona and they go to Marrakesh for a couple of days. Um, and then we've got Colm. Hi, Colm. Say hello. Hi, Imran. Colm's just off a stint of watching Love Island, so he is raring to go. Which I was very disappointed by that. It's just so everybody knows, we had to delay this podcast for an hour just so Cole could watch Love Island. United during the season, Love Island during the summer. It's all good. Yeah. Uh, right. So this game is called You Don't Know You Were Born. Yes. Uh, the basic premise is I will tell you a city and you will tell me which Manchester United person who was with us last season at some point. Because <laughs> some of these might have left. Um, <laughs> Uh, was born there basically was born there yes that's basically it um cool 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 makes perfect sense right and i'll give yeah. you each of you so this was there's five each 10 in total five each uh it can go across if you don't get it right and you can have one ca- if you want a clue for each one you can and i'll give you the capital city of this country that i'm talking about so to see who goes first this is very good for the audio visual uh nick which <laughs> hand is the grape in Left hand. It is in the left hand. Wow, well done. And you, you literally reached over with your left hand. Yeah, but then I shuffled it around, so you see. <laughs> right, Could have been you, in any you. hand. All right. Right. Nick, here we go. The the, the city is Amersfoort. Oh, by the way, can I apologize in, for anyone from these oh places? The, I'm going to butcher some pronunciations. So here we go. Amersfoort. Uh, what do I do? I make a guess now, and then yes, you, give you do. Me a That's how it works. That's right. how these things. I'll go for uh, Nemanja Matic. That's incorrect. Colm, it goes to you for the steal. I'm gonna go uh, Van der Beek. Oh wow! Straight out the gate, Colm. That it? is very impressive. <laughs> yes, uh, Donny Van der Beek hails from Amersfoort in the Netherlands. Right. I thought that and was a decent. To... I thought that was a decent Dutch effort, to be honest. Oh, thank you. I was trying. Right. Your next column, and the place is Burgos. Oh, God. Burgos. Burgos. David Hare? It's incorrect. David, it comes. Uh, David? David Hare? No, it's not David Hare. Nick, it goes to you. Uh, Burgos, I will go for Bruno. You've, you've gone on the Spanish uh, train, you'd have got it. It's one matter. Juan Mata, of course, yeah. Juan Mata. No one gets that one, but call me still ahead by one. Back to you, Nick. The the place is Bragas. Bragas. Bragas or Braga? 
Braga. Bra- yeah. yeah. Braga's yeah. in... Okay. I'm Spelt. pretty sure it's in Portugal. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll go for Bruno again. Incorrect, Colm. <laughs> uh, I'm going to rely on... Uh, I think I know where Ronaldo's from, so I, I'm thinking maybe it's not in Portugal. Is it Teles? <laughs> if you've gone Portugal, even Diego Dallo. Yeah, I knew it was oh, Dallo. I, I forgot we had another Portuguese player. <laughs> I know where Ronaldo's from, so after that, I knew uh, it was Dallo. Yeah, so I was hoping Colm didn't get it. He's from an he's from the Dallo. island, isn't he, Ronaldo? He's from Madeira, yeah. Yeah, Madeira, that's it. Right, Colm, back to you. Still one nil up. Malmo. Uh, uh, this is easy. Um, if I can remember his name, Anthony Langer. No, uh, correct. It is Anthony Langer. Oh, it is. Thank well God. Done. Yeah, yeah. I would have actually gone for Lindelof to be yeah, fair. Yeah, that's why right. right. people go straight for Lindelof. So <laughs> that's why I said no at the end. I remember that we you also had Lindelof. Yeah. Lindelof. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. I know where he's from as well. Yeah, I know where he's from. Totally. Oh, okay, fair enough. Combs obviously been doing his homework. You know, actually, on the podcast, we actually mentioned that Anthony Olanga was born in Malmo when his Cameroonian dad was playing did for we? Malmo. So I should have actually remembered that. Yeah, it was yeah. mentioned on it when mm. we did our Olanga thing. All right. Well, uh, Nick, back to you. I'm <laughs> sorry about the pronunciation of this one. It's Caxias Dosul. <laughs> Caxias Dosul. I'm going to go for Matic again. Incorrect. I mean, it doesn't really sound... All your uh, accents Serbian. sound like Eastern European. Every single thing you've oh, said thanks. sounds Eastern that. European uh, to me. Colm? How... Tellers again? Yeah, it is Tellers. Colm is really good at this game. <laughs> <laughs> like, impressively so, in fact. It is, uh, yes, Caxias de Sol is in... Uh, Brazil. It's probably pronounced Cax... Cax... Probably Caxia or something. I don't know. Sorry, Brazilian listeners. Right, next. Nick, Salto, 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 and remember at this point you can ask for a capital city Mm. if you need a clue. Neither of you have used it yet. I think I know where Salto is, and I think it's in Argentina. Uh... I would question your wisdom there, considering we don't have anyone from Argentina. <laughs> I was just uh, thinking, uh, yeah, go on, Nacho. But all right, Garnacho. then, what, what, yeah. what, uh, oh, yeah, what country? Go on, then, give me a capital city, then. Uh, capital city is Montevideo. All oh, right, Uruguay. Um, God, is it? Well, all right, Pelestri. It's oh, not. you're saying the players have left? Like, you say it could be players who've left, yeah? Yeah, it's players who've left, So it's yeah. Cavani. All right. Yeah, I'll give you it. You can have it. <laughs> Because <laughs> why on earth would you go for Palestri over Cavani? <laughs> because he's still a United player. But then I remembered yeah, yeah. you said he's still like, yeah, playing yeah. for us. All right. Nick's on the board. 3-1 to Colm. It's going to take a miracle to come back. Colm. Sabak. Sabak. Can I have the capital? Uh, the capital is Belgrade. Okay. Matic. It is Matic. Yeah. Well, I don't know if Nick would have guessed Matic for that one as he has for everyone else, but yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You sounded much less Eastern European when you said that one. Oh, I mean, this is there's there's some subtle racism going on here, guys, which yeah, we don't yeah. condone on United Hour. I should I should I should say, um, Nick uh, Baknang. You're playing you're, you're playing for pride now, Nick. Although to be fair, 
this one's a difficult one. Uh, what, can I get a capital city again? You can get a capital city because this one's actually difficult. The capital is Berlin. Oh, okay. Okay. Um... Does that help you? Because it's not helping me. Who have we got that's German? <laughs> we might have someone who's born in Germany and and we don't think of them as German. You have to think about what I said at the beginning of this game. That's all I'll say. They probably don't play oh. for us anymore. But who... how 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 long ago did you do this game? <laughs> it's, it's Schweinsteiger, I think. <laughs> you want to pass it? Yeah, not coming up with anybody. Colm? Ah. Uh... I, no, I don't know, Jaden Sancho. Why? Why on earth? And, and this is this is why this is where you get the the stupid game from. Because I said I said, and I quote, "Man United stuffer" is what I said. Oh jeez! It's Big Ralph. Big Ralph Ragnick. All right, all right, all right. All right. Yeah, only Listen, thinking of players. Fair enough. You're only thinking of players. You've got to broaden your horizons. Um, Colm, your last one. Nope. Who's who's next? Yeah. It is calm, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Bingerville. <laughs> what? Bingerville. Bingerville. <laughs> no idea. Uh, can I get a capital? Uh, <laughs> you can, but I'm not going to do a terrible pronunciation. Yamusukro. Yamu oh, Yamusukro or, or Abidjan. I think it has two capitals. Uh, Hannibal. No. Uh, Nick? So I'm pretty sure that is the capital of the Ivory Coast. Oh, which, here he is. Oh, that's what I was going to go with. Which gives me two options, and I will go with... You'll go with the wrong one, I, I promise you. I, I, no, he I, did. He went with the right one. He went with the right <laughs> yeah, one. Well yeah. done, Nick. Very good knowledge there, Nick. You know what? Yeah, I've actually I like, th- been pretty poor at this because two of the places you mentioned, I've actually been to and got the wrong country in both times. I've been to Burgos <laughs> and Salta and like managed to get the actual wrong country for both of them. But there you go. Uh, um, and the last one, um, Nick, Ivry Iv- Soussien. All right, I need a, need a capital city here. Capital is Paris. Yeah, oh. obvious. Uh, so I will go for Varane. Incorrect. Anthony Marshall. Incorrect. It is Hannibal. Oh, and there you well, go. Now, today you learned that Hannibal was born in France, and that was the whole point ah, of this whole game. Gotcha. No, yeah, he's for Tunisian. Tunisian. Yeah, yeah. He's Tunisian. Yeah. yeah. But uh, born in France, because obviously, like you know, colonizers. That's, and yeah. the, the moral of this whole story is that colonization is wrong. <laughs> so uh, that was another Imran stupid game. Dreadful. Dumb and dumber, I'd call them. I thought they were really poor. I thought they were a joke. Really abysmal. Fantastic. Yeah, good Fantastic effort. Work. Good effort. Yeah. Almost a winner, is, by the way. It, it is well for being made six months ago. Yeah, yeah. It really does. Half of those players have left, so or will leave. Yeah. So, you know. Um, yeah, uh, Colm, well done. Congratulations on an, another another fine uh, stupid game win, I should say. Yeah, Colm generally Thanks, is the man to beat in these things. So. I think that's actually the first time that I've lost a stupid game. So uh, I well don't think Colm. that's true. I do not it think is, that's true. Is, that, is, that is true. I drew I, one. I, I, drew I did one fancy once. Nick because Nick, Nick's a bit of a geography buff. I fancied him. 
He knows I'm he's. He knows he's. The first time I've lost his stupid game, and I should have. Done he's well also an extremely so well travelled, well travelled yeah, man. So I, I can tell it's eating him up inside. Yeah, it yeah. is eating him up. I should have done a lot better at that. I should have done a lot better at that. Although I'm blaming your pronunciations and accents over there. I'm afraid. He's uh, watching. He's watching United country. He's watching United matches in more countries than I've ever been in. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, we might get a few more countries in the Europa League. Let's see what that draw is. Um, but yeah, I can't promise you another Imran stupid game anytime soon. But yeah, keep bugging us on Twitter or whatever and we'll try and get one. Uh, if we're doing well, we might get three of us on back again and then you might get another one soon. Before we round off, I do want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Manscaped. Uh, we had a bit of a laugh about their Father's Day copy last time. This time I've got some copy called Boxers 2.0. Uh, sweaty Sack Summer is approaching and it's time for you to prioritise the comfort of your crotch. That's why the kings of crotch comfort, Manscaped, have spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer shorts out there. Um, I, we will soon apparently have the honour of testing out these new boxes. I don't have them yet and can say it will be the softest fabric of any underwear. Anyway, head over to manscaped.com, use the code UNITEDHOUR20. I mean, if any of you have had the performance package before, there were some pretty good boxes in there before I've had as well. Um, I think somebody on here had said the best boxes they've ever had, but those were as well. And apparently, these are the 2.0 and even better. So yeah, UNITEDHOUR20, head over to manscaped.com. Um, but yeah, I think that about rounds us off for this time. I was I was kind of wondering what we were going to talk about because they hadn't had any transfers since last time. But yeah, it kind of breezes by pretty quickly once you start getting into it. I think the biggest takeaway from all of this is that um, Nick is going to send us all boxes in the post. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I've just I've just refreshed the transfer tweets page and it looks like we're about to sign nobody. All yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, hopefully by the next time we record again, we will have some transfers to talk about. Uh, we are also just lining up to get an Ajax expert on to tell us a bit more about Eric Ten Hag, so look out for that in the next couple of episodes. Uh, but anyway, look, whether there's any transfers or not, we will be back in the next week or so, uh, sometime before our first preseason game anyway on the 12th. As we say, Monday, some of the lads will be back in. But yeah, 12th of July will be our first preseason game against Liverpool in Thailand, and we will record again before that. Uh, but for now, good night from us. Cheers, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.